So when you stop to think about it visually, after you've fo uh, followed, at least in this human life, the beginning of the, teachers and the, the teachings of the Soter, and you've given birth to the human one, you go through the solar sense, this visionary scent. And as you work your way through the realms, as I've already hinted at, it looks like birth. You're listening to talks from the Apostolic Joanite Church. Mr. Clark Aitkins. Uh, Clark Aitkins is an army brat, as well as a child of dairy farms and trailer parks. Not content with following his old man around the country, he enlisted himself after high school as an airborne infantryman, infantryman and kept wandering. After dropping out of college his first go-around, he met a Gnostic bishop at the back pool room of a smoky basin bar in the middle of Penn's Woods, and his life changed from weird to really epic weird. He dragged his strangeness back to school and ended up with a master's degree in New Testament and early Christianity from Harvard Divinity School, thereby changing his life yet again from really effing weird to purveyor of the weirdness and spewer of divergent politics. You're just going to have to deal with it. We're proud, excited, and happy to have uh, the Reverend Mr. Clark Aiken speak on the Gospel of Mary. Uh, Clark, Ed, take it away. So I wanted to start with that because it's pretty radically inappropriate for a dude to be talking about the, um, the spiritual feminine um, all by himself, I think. So I wanted to start out with a woman who knows a little bit about it. That's the incomparable Patti Smith, and you can find her on this old, this old school CD by John Giorno Poetry Systems. It's called Cash Cow. Hard to find, but it's worth it. Um, there's a couple of themes in there that we're going to be touching on. This is why I wanted that intro. <coughs> visionary sense. Um, a woman's visionary sense. Doing things in, in, in only a way that a woman can do it. We're going to talk a, bit of, a little bit about the gender as we go along here, but as Patti Smith made it very clear, um, her version of it is very feminine, obviously. Um, as we go through, I'm going to be modernizing some of the text, so I'll try to give you a heads up whenever I start tying in modern ideas. Um, so the Gospel of Mary is written in the second century, probably. We have two Greek fragments from Oxyrhynchus and one Coptic fragment from the Berlin Codex, I, I believe. I didn't write it down, but I think that's it. Um, and in this text, Mary, who's probably Mary Magdalene, has secret information, which is a new tradition, which is a new one. Uh, uh, it's traditional in the, in the, new, in the new Testament. Um, but this text sounds very weird for Christians, if you've ever read through it. The sola sense is not really something that you find too much of. Christians don't really talk about it nowadays. We got rid of it centuries ago. Nobody's really into it so much anymore. Um, Jesus isn't really named in the fragments. He's just called Soter. And uh, I'm going to stick with that because I'm not really a Jesus guy, and I like the idea of Soter. Um, we're not sure, again, if it's Mary Magdalene or Mary uh, the mom. It's probably Mary Magdalene. Um, there is some disagreement there, but there are reasons to think that's who it is. Um, and especially in this text, and again, this will be important later, Mary can be symbolic of all women, unlike any of the other texts that we have that Mary is in. We have a character that can easily be translated across the board as representative of all women in the Ecclesia. Um, it's opposed to, Paul, to the Pauline notion that death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is salvific. It has a stoic view of nature and a platonic view of death. 
and of course the sole ascent at the end, it's pretty Greek. Um, we don't know if it's pre or post-mortem because we're missing slightly over half of the text. And um, the last half of the text just tears into the beginning of the, uh, of the sole ascent with no explanation as to where Mary is getting this information from. We're guessing, but we don't know for sure. So let's just get Paul out of the way because I don't like Paul. All right. In his letter to the Romans, uh, Jesus overcomes sin. This is an important aspect for Paul, right? And you find peace through Christ. And suffering leads to hope. You have to, right? The suffering makes you hopeful. It brings you to hope somehow. But in the Gospel of Mary, there is no sin. It doesn't really exist as sort of an illusion that's brought about by our, hmm, it's debatable, but it seems to be saying our separation from the actual world. Um, you give birth to the Savior's peace, and it's this giving birth that I'm going to be pointing out. This birth talk comes up at least six times that I found in here, and I don't think anybody else has really gone to the, to the extent of pulling it all out and trying to view it, view the soul ascent and the Soter's teaching and Mary's teachings as a birth. So that's my one justification for being a dude duding all over the Gospel of Mary. Um, because some might say I probably have a responsibility to put this information out there, so that's what I'm doing since I found it. Um, if anybody else knows any better, I would appreciate it if they told me. Uh, where are we at here? Resurrection of Christ, so there's no really resurrection of Christ in it. You have to work through your suffering, not embrace it or accept it. You go through it. That's what a soul ascent is. Um, and eternal life, there's no eternal life in the Gospel of Mary. There's eternal rest. We don't live forever, which, quite personally, I think sounds a hell of a lot better. So, we'll talk a little bit about the Platonic stuff that's in here, and then a little bit about the Stoic stuff. It's important to understand that ancient Christianity tended to view, or ancient philosophy tended to view the passions as a source of unconsciousness, disorder, and suffering. Christianity viewed itself as the premier philosophy at the time because it adopted philosophy spiritual exercises. The spiritual exercises that we like to think of as being specifically Christian are adopted from Judaism and Greek uh, philosophical practices. The philosophical schools, if you really wanted to philosophize, you couldn't just read the books, go to class, and then write an essay. Sorry, Will. <laughs> you had to actually live that life, and you went through years of memorizing the central tenets of the philosophy, uh, going through tests, living as close to death as possible, eating as little as possible, doing as little as possible, going nowhere. Because you had to be prepared for death because you didn't know when death was going to come, and it was important to be looking it in the eye when it came. In the, I'm not going to say this correctly, Kratilus, uh, much like the Orphics, Plato says, or, uh, or Socrates perhaps, says uh, that the body imprisons the soul um, to punish it for sin. But there, again, there's no sin in the Gospel of Mary. But, like the Orphics, also, they teach that the soul is divine and needs to return to its source. It has to go back home, where it comes from. In the Phaedo, death releases soul from the body, thereby purifying the soul. And there is, uh, I believe this is where we get the meno, or uh, the, no, uh, the word play. Equating, I think it's in the Phaedo, equating the body with the tomb. Yeah, Soma and Sema. So, yeah. I think it's in the Phaedo. Um, and understand that true knowledge only comes at death, which is what the philosopher is working towards and what the Christian who's on this, this path is working towards. Um, 
body dis the body distracts the soul. Again, this is uh, Socrates slash Plato. The body distracts the soul with violence and desires. So while purification isn't specifically mentioned in Mary, uh, but it's just peace itself that's mentioned. But the process that Mary lays out and that the, and that the Soter lays out, it seems to be purificatory. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit because it compares very positively to some Jewish Merkava practices at the time that are, are, are of a comparable time. Um, so you must live close to death, but uh, this requires self-control over death. So as we're going to see, um, some of the close relations here to these ideas, uh, desire is, name, is the name of the second power that the soul runs into. Uh, the fourth power accuses the soul of being a murderer. And the fourth form of the fourth power, which is, is named zeal for death in one translation, which sounds a lot like violence. So these are the distractions that the soul has to work its way past in order to get home. Um, Stoicism, uh, I'm just going to sum Stoicism up in one sentence because that's how you can do it. Stoicism <laughs> says that nature equals divinity. There it is. Mary, the Gospel of Mary, says that nature comes from divinity. And there's a contrary nature in matter. This leads to a disturbance in the body. And the good restores nature to its root. And understand that the root is a Mediterranean agricultural symbol. Here, that means returning to the source of life. So it's a very important symbol that the Soter is using here. So I'm going to read this quick, this quick passage. There will be more reading. But, uh, Every nature, everything fashioned in all creation exist together in one another, and they will dissolve again into their root. For the nature of matter dissolves into what belongs to its own nature. Sin does not exist. Rather, it is you who produce sin when you do what is in accordance with the nature of adultery, which is called sin. For this reason, the good has come among you, to those of every nature, in order to restore each to its own root. For this reason you are sick and you are dying, because you love that which deceives you. The one who understands should understand. Matter has given birth to a passion, given birth to a passion, that has no resemblance, for it has come forth in a way contrary to nature, a disturbance that occurs in the entire body. This is why I told you, be content at heart. Ergo, therefore, whatever that word should, that will fit in right there, allowing the good to restore human beings who are of nature, human beings are of nature, okay, um, the, uh, takes them back to the root. That equals going back to divinity, or the soul ascends to divinity, and then at the end of the soul ascent, again, just as Orphism has it. So we have some pretty strong Platonic influences going on here. Just so you know, the Soma Sema uh, pun does occur in the Kralis as well. Oh, does it? Okay. Oh, well, maybe that's where it's from. I should have taken that note, but I didn't go back and look at it. Two words. Hmm? Is that 400B? Oh, okay. All right. Um, so there are two Coptic verbs that are uh, that come in pregnancy talk going on here. The first one is jpa, means to acquire, which is how it's oftentimes uh, interpreted into English. Um, it also means to beget or bring forth, to beget, to, to give birth to. All uses of the word jpa that I've found so far either come from the Soter's teaching or are referring to the Soter's teaching. The first use is Quote, matter has given birth to a passion, as I just read here. And it describes how passion has come about. Passion, of course, are the things that you have to, that are bad, that you have to oppose yourself to in stoicism and in this path. This is where all the destruction comes from. So it's not sin, it's passion that you're opposed to. Um, and then this uh, path uh, describes how passion comes about, and passion disturbs the entire body. 
which sounds a little bit like birth pangs, right? And we're going to talk about that a little bit more here. But um, in Romans 8.22, more Paul for all you big fans out there. He says that the world is groaning in labor pains. So the whole of the material world is in disruption, is in confusion. Not just your body, but everything, until everything gets set back to where it came from. The Gospel of John 1, 12-13, one must be born again. And Poimandris, which is from the Corpus Hermeticum, which came about, was written about the same time that the Gospel of Mary was, we think. So perhaps the author knew Poimandris. Talks about regeneration specifically in a very similar soul ascent process. The second use of Jupa is at the end, uh, where they, uh, uh, Peter and his buddy are having an argument and are yelling at Mary for being a woman, apparently. And Levi ends up and ends the entire story, where he says to obey the Soter by putting on the human one and give birth to it for us. Here we're externalizing the internal. This is the important process that's going on. We're constantly talking about birth. We're bringing out what's inside, or what's inside is leaving. Um, Levi then gets up and goes out and does it, and that's the end of the story as we have it. The most important point, though, will be in Soter's teaching, what we'll get here to in a second, where he says, may my peace be born to you. This is Soter's peace greeting. Uh, peace greetings are very traditional in Semitic cultures, but here, uh, Mary, the, the, Mary uh, the Gospel of Mary, really emphasizes the internalization of the peace, and uh, we'll get to why that is here just right now. Um, peace be to you may my peace be born to you be on guard so that no one leads you astray by saying look here or look over there for the son of man is within you follow him those who seek him will find him go then and preach the gospel of the kingdom do not lay down any rules beyond what I have set for you nor legislate like the lawgiver or else you may be ruled by it so looking at this with a modern Esotericist eyes. I'm seeing some instructions here about how to follow a spiritual path. And I think that the, the Soter's peace greeting isn't just a greeting. I think it's a slightly hidden initial instruction. Any modern esoteric test will tell you you've got to calm down. You've got to meditate. You've got to get focused. You've got to get your brain in order before you can do anything. You've got to get your life in order before you do anything. Right? You, have to, if you need to have a place to put yourself. You need to have clothes to put on. You need to have people to look after you. You've got to have food to eat. All those things have to be put in order. before those, That's the first step before you can do any spiritual practice. You've got to take care of your body first. So you give birth to peace. You bring out the Soter's peace from inside your body. You give birth to it. You guard it against any external influences. You don't look over here. You don't look over there because those are all distractions. You have your own peace, your own connection to the soldier, and it's inside of you, and you put it on like a garment, and it becomes a human one, and you put it on, and you follow it out into the world. That's when you go out and preach, and then you make no more laws. Um, the peace, the soldier's peace and the human one seem to be the same thing, and we'll talk about that again a bit more later, because that's going to tie the whole, that's another strand of an equation that ties this whole text together. Um, and the gospel is, ends up becoming the gospel of the human one, which again would be the, the piece of the soter. So, hey, I talked to my girlfriend, who is the mother of two very intelligent, precocious, and sassy teens, about all this stuff because I've never been pregnant before. Um, and she says that uh, uh, she agreed with me when I said that this sounds a lot like pregnancy and motherhood. Bring out the internal. 
guard it against the world, then send it out into the world. That's birth and motherhood. That's raising children. Thanks, Kelly. I'm on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> so the next word, the next verb is wasif. It means be idle, bring to naught, leave idle, barren, annul. Mm. All of this comes from Mary's teaching. I found this very interesting. Everything about the Soter's teaching or referring to the Soter, we're using the, co the active concept of literally giving birth. Well, Mary's teaching from the soul ascent, she uses the verb to leave things behind. Because when you're dealing with the powers, to defeat the powers, you have to leave them behind. So you leave them barren. She uses it four or three times in the, text, in the, in the fragments that we have. Um, the first is, um, when the soul had left barren the third authority, which is ignorance. The second usage, where you come from, where, uh, where are you coming from, slayer of humans? And where are you going, one who leads realms barren? This is the answer that the soul has for the challenge to the fourth power of wrath. Um, the third usage is, what has surrounded me has been laid barren, which is, a, again, a part of the soul's response to wrath. All of these treat the powers like wombs, as I said, that, give, that have just given birth to the soul that has left it behind. Um, also, Kelly, uh, she says that that sounds a lot like postpartum. Mm. When you start to think about it. So we're going to read through that here, and then you can put it all together for yourself. We don't have the discussion between wrath, the first power, and the soul. Uh, we just don't know. We're not even sure, again, if this is a pre-mortem pre soul ascent or a post-mortem soul ascent. It's all missing. It's very frustrating. Um, but we think the first one is dark darkness because that fits a pattern that will come later. Um, and desire said, that's the second power, I did not see you descending, but now I see you ascending. So why are you lying since you belong to me? The soul replied, I saw you. You did not see me, nor did you recognize me. You possessed me as a garment, and you did not know me. When she said these things, or you, yeah, yeah. she left rejoicing greatly. Again, she came to the third authority, which is called ignorance. It examined the soul, saying, where are you going? You have been ruled by wickedness. Surely you have been ruled, so do not judge. And the soul said, why do you judge me when I have not judged? I was ruled without having ruled. I was not known, but I myself have come to know that all is being dissolved, both the things of earth and those of heaven. Right? This is the soul. This is the information from the soul that, the soul, uh, that was taught to it by the soul. When the soul had left barren the third authority, she ascended and saw the fourth authority. It took seven forms. The first form is darkness. The second, desire. The third, ignorance. The fourth is envy of death. The fifth is the kingdom of the flesh. The sixth is the foolish wisdom of the flesh. The seventh is the wrathful wisdom. These are the seven authorities of wrath. They queried the soul. Where are you coming from, slayer of humans? And where are you going, one who leaves realms barren? The soul replied, what has ruled me has been slain. And what has surrounded me has been left barren. And my desire has brought to an end has been brought to an end, and my ignorance has died. In a world, I was set free through another world, and in an image through a superior image. The bond of forgetfulness is temporary. From now on, I shall receive repose and silence for the duration of the time of the age. So when you stop to think about it visually, after you've followed, at least in this human life, the beginning of the, teachers, the teachings of the Soter, and you've given birth to the human one, you go through the soul ascent, this visionary ascent. And as you work your way through the realms, as I've already hinted at, it looks like birth. 
when we think about solar sense and other solar senses, they pass through the planetary realms or whatever realms. They encircle the earth or they encircle the human body and the human body works its way through it. It gets itself out and it has to do, and there are different ways to do it. You, oftentimes you have to answer a riddle or you have to tell the thing off like we're doing here um, or you have to explore, or even better what we're doing here. You have to prove that you know what you're talking about. You have to prove that you have the experience to be able to get past this trap that the power lays for you. <clears throat> So, and the goal is ultimately to rest in silence. Um, the silence kind of reminds me of the Soter's peace, perhaps, um, in which might hint that it's a spiritual state accomplished in life. So perhaps this is a pre-mortem solo set that would prepare one for a post-mortem solo set. I'm not totally convinced. We're missing bits of it. It doesn't have to be that way, but maybe it is. Um, okay, so we're already, I already explained why we're missing darkness. So. The soul, uh, in its in interaction with desire, the soul is lying. Uh, the desire accuses the soul of lying and that it belongs below because desire didn't see it descend. But the soul responds that it was wearing a garment in its descent so it couldn't have been seen. Again, it's, it's been surrounded by something while it was coming down to earth. Um, and in response, the soul declares its identity against the accusation of lying. That's how it gets past. It knows itself, it has its self-knowledge, its self-gnosis, and is able to get past the second level. Ignorance accuses the soul of wickedness in making judgments. But the soul has never judged and has never, uh, has never been bound despite having received both of those behaviors, both of those uh, uh, actions. It never perpetuated those things. And it never made laws that, it only, that could only bind the judge. Remember the teaching, do not make further laws because you will be judged by those laws. But instead it explains that it knows the Sotra's teaching that matter will dissolve to its source and that this world will pass. It's, uh, that's the qualified dualism right there, I think. Um, the, fourth, uh, the fourth power is wrath, and it accuses the soul of murder and conquest. Now here are things, you really gotta parse the Coptic here. We don't have the Greek for this, we just have the Coptic. And it gets a little tricky. Um, the soul admits to com completing ignorance, and that what bound it has died. But the soul hasn't necessarily murdered it. It just says that what bound it has died. It's accused of murdering what bound it. But the soul says, no, it's just dead. I didn't kill it. Oh. It's not admitting to killing anything. It just says it's dead. It was dead when I got there. Yeah, yeah, I left, yeah, yeah, right. It was on fire when I lay down on it. But, but that's left barren. That's what you do when you leave something barren. That's postpartum, mm. I think. Yeah. That, desire, um, that desire has ended the soul's surroundings um, that have been left barren and is now free of the world time, and free of forget forgetfulness. It also makes me think of afterbirth. Oh, interesting. Will you remind me now at the question part? Because I want to write all that stuff down. Yeah. Um, peace is required to achieve rest. So in the Jewish tradition at this time, which is very Merkava, the visionary ascent stuff that was going on all over the place. And, and, and please remember, you know, early Christianity as time was oftentimes seen as depending on where you were at, it was just another Jewish sect. The interactions between all of these communities would have been very strong, especially in places like Alexandria. Oh, th these guys may have possibly just been neighbors. Um, withdrawal, in, in the Jewish tradition at the time, um, withdrawal from the world brings visions. But the withdrawal is just a purification process. It doesn't guarantee visions. There's no guarantee of a vision. There's only a guarantee of purification. So I think that the Gospel of Mary teaches that you must give birth to the peace of the human one, or the soul, by following the lessons of the soul ascent. So it's not that you go to the soul ascent later. 
The soul ascent is how you practice the Soter's teachings. So you declare your identity as the human one to desire. You defeat ignorance by withdrawing from the world of laws and judgment. And you deal with wrath by leaving the world or the body, by leaving time, by leaving forgetfulness, barren of the soul, of your soul. You leave it behind. You exit it. Um, so the Soter's peace equals the human one equals the soul. I think this formula connects Soter's teaching with the Gospel of Mary's teaching, or with Mary's, Mary's teaching. Um, which is to say that giving birth to this thing, this, this soul, this soul thing, this generic soul, whatever it is, um, connects the whole book as we have it, which again, we're missing half of it, so maybe I'm totally off the, the mark there. Um, peace equals the human one in the Soter's teaching. We already saw that. Um, the soul enters the equation when it tells its pow the powers it's coming out of something. The desire never saw it when it was descending, but was, it was instead wearing a garment. When it sold, uh, the soul tells wrath that what bounded it is no longer surrounding it. So it's constantly externalizing itself. It's a constant process of externalization, always giving birth. So I'm kind of interested in applying some of these lessons to the modern day. I think that uh, a lot of Gnostics would be interested in this sort of thing. I know I, know I came here looking for this sort of thing. And uh, the reason I even went to school was looking for this sort of thing, because I'm not really interested in heaven. Um, it sounds pretty boring. And honestly, sorry. No, I agree. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, I, I would just like to not have to relate to people over time. That would be great. So sweet, sweet anonymity. Thank God. So um, if Mary represents all women in this text, then it's logical to extend that to all of the genders that we talk about today in the last couple of years. This is just the next logical step. So back then we would have said that uh, giving birth, pregnancy, and all that is obviously a feminine thing, and so therefore this must be a divine feminine thing. But nowadays we have to be careful. We have to check that. That's not true. There are a lot of males who give birth, and they probably did back then too. This is an important lesson. We have to retroactively project that back and understand all of these teachings is how we have to modernize that. So this necessitates that we have to keep the non-tolerant out of this pass. They will introduce a hierarchy that defeats this whole process. They will lock up souls, surround them by darkness, desire, ignorance, and wrath, impeding their path from the start. Repression keeps one focused on the outside world, making the birth of the peace of the Soter impossible. Allowing white supremacy and gender repression and all the rest of that crap, allowing it in, just an inch, makes the cultivation of the soul impossible. So, by Popper's conundrum, intolerance cannot be tolerated. Not on this path. The end. So, I just... Oh, I, oh hold on. Uh, I, I want to hear... I want to hear bitches, gripes, questions suggestions, but I want to hear them from non-cis males first. Yes? I got to support what you were saying about, talk about what you were saying about the ascension, whether it's post or after mortem. Yeah. Um, I went to seminary for very similar reasons why you're following spirituality, and my professor of patristics, uh, Father John Anthony McGuckin, he mm -hmm. says that Jesus spends most of the Gospels in the process of ascending, that his ascension isn't after death, it's a process, kind of like we were talking about healing today. It's a process, not a moment. And that the Kairos moment then, the axial moment in time, is a process, not a chronological point. So maybe Mary was aware of that and was writing 
about the ascension, because um, what he says is that in the Gospel of John, that's where Jesus spends most of his time actively ascending. When he says, I am, uh, I will ascend, that's just a translation. It, it is also translated, I am ascending. Oh, interesting. So I'm also thinking there's a point, there's one or two points in, in there where Jesus is obviously pissed about something and he is off the right, he's just ranting, ranting. He just talks and goes and goes. And I wonder if that's part of him working something out. That's an interesting point. Cool. Thank you. Another question. Yeah. Uh, curiosity about when this was written compared to Pisces Sophia. I don't remember when Pisces Sophia. Uh, I believe Pisces. That's a good question. So yeah, and that's a, that's a good question because in Pisces Sophia, um, um, Peter and Mary also have a big throwdown. Um, and I think Pisces Sophia is significantly later, but I'd have to look at the dates. I've not actually read Pisces Sophia, sorry. Um, it's got some similarities. Yeah, right, right, right. And this is, yeah, all of the literature points this out. Yeah. I have a tendency to read into things. That's um, okay. But Me too. The talk about being content at heart, being still, being at rest, compared to the necessary birth pangs um, of giving birth to Christ. Is there a way of reconciling that? Uh, uh, can you say that one more time? Yeah, I might be coming at this from a, um, That's okay, that's all right. I haven't read the gospel very recently, mm -hmm. so I'm following along. Um, being at rest is very important in the gospel of Mary. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. But at the same time, you find a lot of birth imagery in there, which um, is a good argument. Seems like a good argument from what mm -hmm. you said today. And not having the text in front of me. And not reading Coptic, I mean. Um, but there's also some talk about birth pains. Well, that was me. The, that's, that's not in the text. That's me text. saying that the, the disorder and the disruption of matter and the, and, and the um, opposing spirit that is in matter creates that. And possibly maybe creates sin and confusion and the darkness and all these things. And... Um, uh, that the peace and giving birth to the peace is how you give birth to that, is how you get rid of that. That's withdrawing back into the root of your creation, okay. back into divinity. Okay, thank you. Yeah, that, yes. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Right. But the Bible doesn't say, this is, or the Bible, the Gospel, sorry. The Gospel of Mary does not straight out say that that's birth pains. That's just me. But you related your thought then to, the gospel, to Romans, didn't you, with birth pains? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Romans does say that, yes. Um, and I'd have to look up the whole thing and put it into a more proper context. But, but you do you make a good argument of birth imagery underlying this, mm -hmm. this text? Um, and, yeah, giving, yes, thank you, giving birth to the peace and therefore resolving one's own passions. Right. Yes, thank you, that, mm -hmm. that makes sense. Okay, cool. I'd like to throw out a thought about reconciling the peace with the birth campaigns mm -hmm. is that for birth to work well, it's really important for the mother to be at peace. Oh, oh, the body yeah. can do what the body's going to do. Oh, okay. So they both have to happen at the same time. Oh, that's really, okay. So there's a, suge yeah. there's a suggestion then that, I mean, assuming that the birth like going the into the suffering, to work through the suffering, to me that is birth. Yeah. And so yes. Our, the process of our souls withdrawing into their root, birthing the peace, is natural to us, which is why the Savior says, you know, don't make laws. Right. Don't be like the lawgiver. Right, because it keeps you because caught up in the confusion and the frustrations of the world. Contrary mm -hmm. to, to mm -hmm. all that, to all these rules about, you know, how to purify yourself and how to ascend, we already know 
it's already mm -hmm. natural to us if we just keep calm. Right, so yeah, creating laws creates a fight with the suffering instead of working with it. So it right. fights against it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you resist it. Mm -hmm. Or try to force your crap onto the rest of the world mm -hmm. instead of just letting the kid go out and play. Mm -hmm. Was there any other? I just want to insert one quick thing. Uh, looks like Pistis Sophia is probably third or fourth century, so oh, okay. it's considerably later. Mm -hmm. so. All right. I, I wonder if it wasn't based on this. That would make a certain amount of sense. That right does sound about right. Okay. One more thing. Oh, yes. I'm really struck, sorry, John. No, no, please, please. I'm really struck by the end of laws because I'm still in the process of leaving the Lutheran Church. You know, I've left it, but I'm still having trouble with my identity. And law and gospel is so pivotal to that. But part of my leaving the Lutheran Church is realizing what misogyny undergirded all of Luther's theology. Right, right. And so there's misogyny then in the law and gospel. If 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 we're taking a feminine spirituality would be the end of laws because we can all start to be accountable for ourselves. Right. Instead of just following in line and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is freedom and obedience. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Anarchy. I've got very little to say because again, I also read I I don't know when. I can't remember when, so I can't remember stuff. That's okay. <laughs> But I, I wasn't really, and, and that's the thing, I haven't given birth either. Mm -hmm. so, Fair enough. So I'm like, rest and birth? But then, now, now that you explain it, I'm like, oh, well, I call that grace. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, dudes, you want to dude all over the place now? <laughs> Time to be the dude. Um, yeah, just uh, just to add to what I was said, that the, uh, that uh, Drew's uh, question, uh, Doctor April Connick, blessed be her name. Um, she uh, she says peace be upon her. Peace be upon her. Um, she says that this Sophia is late and it's a bit of a meta gnostic text. Second is reading a bunch of other texts and commenting on them, taking from them. So yes, there's a writer to the Pistis Sophia that could be generated, probably read the Gospel of Mary. Interesting. Um, yeah, and of course, for intertextual relationships, which we see quite a bit with these books, and why we have to kind of read them all, but don't spend all your time reading, because we've got to be out there doing Gnosticism. But, you know, these are texts that are interrelated, these sects are talking to each other, and of course when we talk about, about rest, oh, right away I think Gospel of Thomas, right, where apparently the soul is being filled by the archons, they say give us a sign, the soul has to say motion and rest. Um, the other Thomasine thing is Thomas says, um, if you bring forth what is within you, it will yeah, save you, exactly. if you do not, it will destroy you. Now I realize that is an obvious birth metaphor, right, the mother does not... Yeah, know, I haven't looked at that in the copy yes. yet, but that's something that needs to, that needs yeah, to be... Yeah, they, they seem to be related to me. Mm -hmm. um, also, I like that idea of rest, uh, you know, it's kind of funny the synchronicities we see, because this morning I was talking about how I'm a bad sleeper and how I hope there's no afterlife and we just get to sleep forever. Um, and of course, you're talking about rest that's also evocative of Buddhism, right, where really nirvana is, is rest. You, you get to cast this all off. Oh. Um, so more, you know, white white dude, the first white dude to talk, I don't have a question. I just got to say what I'm thinking. 
Um, just, a, just a, a pro tip, if you finish what you're saying with, what do you think about that? It turns into oh, thank you, okay, yeah. thank or, you. Or, why haven't you read my book? Why haven't you read my book? <laughs> so some in interesting connections here, and um, one last thing I'll say is, and this is more of a personal thing, but of course it is excellency can speak on later after his evidence and Father Joey, I also think a centering prayer for reaching this place of rest, for me it's very evocative, you know, for giving birth to the new self, but it might also be because my word in centering prayer is peace. So I found a very strong resonance. Yeah. Or hesychasm. Or hesychasm, yes. Or many other forms of meditation and contemplation. Okay, I, I, I did have a, a quick thought or two, and then I did have a question. Um, I had mentioned at the beginning of the week about movement and rest and bringing, mm -hmm. bringing forth uh, and birth, and I think I see now why you're going the thing. I was going to mention, uh, talking about movement and rest, um, um, I'm obviously uh, very, very white, straight, and, and male, um, but I play music. I play piano and guitar, and silence is a note. So that just negates all of that, yeah. right? <laughs> I played one once on TV. You're out green all of a sudden. What, I, what, I, what I'm saying is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to think in, in terms of the analogies I know, and I play music, yeah. and silence is a note. Right, uh, a rest between measures, a rest between notes, a rest between movements isn't a pause in the action. It is the action. It's a right, part. Yeah, right. it, it's a part of the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, now, you mentioned the thing about leaving behind, and I, I don't know, I don't know uh, uh, the Coptic or Greek or anything like that, but that made me think of renunciation, like mm -hmm. the concept of renunciation. I wouldn't go as far as to say asceticism or, or self-denial, but maybe perhaps a, a kind of letting go. And the other, the question I had was, um, the human one is repeated throughout. Is that, am, am I brain dead, or is that a, now just to something so, like son, son of man? man? Something like what? Son of man. Son of man, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I was also thinking Adam Cadman. Adam, yeah. thinking what? Adam Cadman. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm. The earth creature. Dirt clod. Groot. Groot. So, um, not to not to negate what my Angelou over here said, but um, <laughs> but um, I was wondering if the rest, like when I was listening to this, I was wondering if the rest was mostly kind of because a lot of what you were saying seemed to be like a like again a reversion like, or, or, or a going back or t a taking away of what was already gained <coughs> inappropriately gained through our experience as humans. So I wonder if the rest was more like you know the answers. Like you already know how to give birth. It's part of who you are. It's you know like 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 if nobody ever read a birthing magazine or had a pediatrician or anything like that, and it had to give birth, like it's kind of a part of the natural process. So I was wondering if the rest was more about like don't worry so much about what you've been told. You know, like the root is something that's natural in you and, and instinctual. Right. Where, where's where you naturally go if you just let everything go. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I think like if that were the case, it would be happening all over the place. Say what? If, the, if that were the case, it would be happening all over the place. Maybe it is. I mean, there seem to be a lot of people who are happy to be alive for some reason. Well, and that makes me sad. It does make me sad. I'm, I'm no expert, but you know, talking about it would be happening all over the place, not necessarily. In order to give birth, you kind of have to get pregnant first. Well, that's true. Right? So yeah. what's the, you know, what's the missing step? In the, well, the, the, well the, so the missing step in the Gospel of Mary is that the good has come into the world to set everything back into order. So yeah. 
I mean, I suppose you could say that's getting pregnant. I suppose yeah. that's getting pregnant. You got to bang Jesus, yo. He's right there. Yeah. A lot of the birth language we're using now is also very similar to taking a sh And to do both processes, you have to relax your anus. Um, Today's theme. Today's theme. She's one of us. Well, birth is natural. And you can just do it without help and things. I think one of the reasons society developed and women started passing along this knowledge from generation to generation was because so many women died in the process. Mm -hmm. Where oh, it's by, very dangerous by studying yeah, that's right. it, by learning about our processes, we can share this knowledge with each other and increase our life. Right. So it is a natural process that we can do, but by using our brains, we mm -hmm. don't have a relationship. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And the knowledge. Relationships and knowledge. It's natural, but it can be done without killing you. It, it, so this is interesting because um, it's reminding me of something I learned in undergrad when we were studying a little bit about this. One of the things that the ancient Hebrews, I mean, they're very misogynistic, what we call misogynistic nowadays, but <clears throat> one of the things that they respected women for was, was giving birth because birth was so dangerous. And, they, and they, they, they equated women, or they, in the poetry they talk about women as being warriors going down in their blood while they give birth because they respected it so much because it was something that they couldn't do. So the male version of that was being a warrior and going out and fighting people for more dirt clots, I guess. Um, but, you know, a lot of babies didn't survive back then, and a lot of moms didn't either. So that's true. Right. I think that, and I think that for that reason, this metaphor that this book seems to be centering on would have been far more obvious back in the day. Whereas nowadays, we just keep saying, and, you know, okay, you've got to find this thing. And it's not about finding, because that makes it seem like it's already that it's already outside of you. But it keeps preaching about not looking outside of you. Maybe it not being obvious is all the more reason why we should be studying it now. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with how we've alienated ourselves from our natural, our natural way of being. Mm -hmm. Our society is such that we have to leave home and do some sort of technical something in order to make a living. Or, you know, we don't right. grow all our own, most of us don't grow all our own food, you know, that we have to give money to somebody to eat. Yeah, right, to we're totally removing all, all those processes, that's right. So, so much is, there's so much alienation just from basic existence that I think that's why this is so foreign to us. Yep. I feel like things just took a Marxist turn. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not comfortable. Say what? I, think, I feel like things just took a Marxist turn. I'm, I'm really uncomfortable now. I just, but I'm, I'm not sure I can stay. Is that what they're talking about, though, by going back to the root? Is, is, you know, is that sometimes our cleverness and our intelligence and our all those things get in the way? I mean, I'm not negating what you were saying about you know the preservation of life or anything like that, but I'm just saying, like, you know, capitalism is just so ingenious. You know, like, and, 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 but it has separated us from our natural way. And, and, and maybe that's what a big part of this. I mean, if you take the pregnancy and you look at it in a larger sense of like, what are we bringing into the world? We're giving birth to capitalism and governments and those kind of things. Two things. I think capitalism has fallen and it is corrupt and sinful. But that being said, part, uh, to create, to equate the, the, the original sin with becoming bipedal, which, is essentially what distinguishes us from other animals. Um, being bipedal changed the shape of the pelvis, 
where um, animals, their pelvis is shaped where a baby can fit through it without breaking. But human women, our pelvis physically breaks. And you can tell if you look at a, a skull, uh, not a skull, you can tell if you look at a skeleton whether or not it's given birth based on whether or not that pelvis is broken. And so because of that sort of breaking, in order to push life out, it makes it so much more dangerous than, and less natural in a way, which you know you could say that our bipedal nature is unnatural, but we evolved, didn't we? And we also evolved to medicine and science. Well, there's a lot of hormones. Yeah. Take it up on that. I think you have it bad. Sometimes my nuts stick to my thigh when it gets hot out. It does. It does. I like what you said earlier about relationships um, as something that has helped us deal with that evolution, uh, that adaptation that can be harmful and keeps us going for thousands of years. We talk a lot about orthodoxy and orthopraxy in Western religion, right teaching and right doing. One thing we don't talk about is right relationship. And you can find that in other non-Western religions, perhaps. And it's something that needs to be, it's something we need to pay a lot of attention to, and something that we need to learn from. That's why I love Luber, Luber theology. It's all about oh, yeah, relationship, that God doesn't exist except between I and thou, and that's the only place where God exists. Yeah. That might be a, a good place uh, to, to start to wrap it up, uh, even though it's a beautiful conversation because it, it's almost uh, food time. Um, so I'm sorry about the, the people at home uh, who are watching on YouTube. You know, message me, I'll mail you some food. Uh, and we'll keep the conversation going here. That's a bold, that's a bold claim. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank, Thank you. Very much. Much.